I think a lot of times our allies don't realize that like this is their fight too because the violence and the misogyny that accompanies the enforcement of the gender binary is pervasive in all of our lives. If you wanna talk about guns and like our gun epidemic, it is steeped in patriarchy and in misogyny. Welcome to Mission Critical, a podcast about the big picture, the purpose, and the values that drive today's most game-changing companies, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm your host, Lance Chung, Editor-in-Chief of Bay Street Bull, and I'll be introducing you to a group of brilliant minds who are making an impact on the world and forging the path ahead. While they may all be very different from one another, the question remains the same. What's your mission? There are few people in media who radiate the kind of glowing, positive, and unabashedly joyful energy quite like Jonathan Van Ness. Known primarily for their co-hosting duties as the resident beauty guru on Netflix's Queer Eye reboot, it is the magnetic charm and personality of Jonathan, who is non-binary and uses they, he, and she pronouns, that has helped them build the foundation of a media empire that spans everything from New York Times best-selling books sold out stand-up comedy tours, and most recently, a second Netflix series based on their wildly successful podcast, Getting Curious with Jonathan Van Ness. Whether they intended it or not, Jonathan is an entrepreneur by every definition, and their latest endeavor is just another addition to their impressive CV. Launched in 2021, JVN Hair is the result of over two years of development that shifts the focus to hair concern over hair type via its hero ingredient, Hemisqualine, a derivative of biofermented sugarcane. Naturally, the vegan hair care brand is an extension of Jonathan. Yes, it's a product that performs, but it's also a platform where Jonathan can parlay their values, mission, and body of work through the lens of beauty. It's one that espouses inclusivity, sustainability, and a larger dialogue around what it truly means to have freedom of self-expression, or as they put it, to come as you are. On this episode, I sit down with Jonathan to talk about self-expression, what pride means to them, and how to engage our communities into protecting trans rights. Enjoy. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I am so happy to be chatting with you today. I'm a big fan of you, your podcast, and, you know, most importantly, like, what you stand for it's honestly you know your energy and the work that you do is so refreshing and needed in this world that we live in that can seem very glum and cynical so you know i'm i'm excited to be chatting with you today oh yeah thanks for having me <laughs> so i want to start off by you know asking what was your first experience with the world of beauty growing up what's your fondest or earliest memory of it I think one of my earliest memories was mixing baby powder with water to make this like white paste to make foundation to smear all over my face because I really <laughs> wanted to wear makeup so that I could go perform like my beautiful like um carpet like off ice figure skating routine for my family that I would make them judge all the time. I always loved hair though. I think another in between like you know watching figure skating I loved their hair and I also remember like beauty pageants very early on not understanding like 
the complicated nature of them that we like think about now. But at the time I was like, oh my God, there's so many people with amazing hair and such cool makeup and really interesting dresses. And I want to be all of their friends. They seem so cool. <laughs> so I think those were some of the first times where I was like, this is so cool. Just like loving the idea of beauty. Yeah, yeah. And now fast forward today, uh, you have your own hair care line, JVN Hair. Why did you, why was that important for you to start for yourself? It was something that like, I never realized I would have an opportunity to do. I've always been like a huge, I'm a cheerleader at heart. And I've always been a huge fan of um, certain beauty companies. And when I get into one, like I get into it really hard. Um, and I'm very like, just, I think I love to to learn. And so I think I'm kind of like a natural student and the beauty industry and beauty brands are no exception. But that being said, it's like, I, I really never knew that I would get to create when I just thought I would be like a beauty stan forever. Um, I always loved styling hair. I always loved playing with it. And then I went into becoming a hairdresser. It's like playing with hair and um, experimenting with different brands and on different types of hair was something that was always really fun to me as I've learned so much in my career and then really was kind of learning about in the guts of beauty brands through my career now as an entertainer and working like because of Queer Eye and my on-camera career, I've gotten to work with, you know, like Biosans, for instance, and like working with Biosans really expanded my world a lot and allowed me to like interview all of these incredible product formulators and chemists and like learn, I've gotten to work with like the environmental working group and I've just learned so much that it just kind of felt natural. And then it also felt empowering to start JVN hair because I've realized that like through my platform, I can affect change and I can also affect change in spaces where like you wouldn't even think that you can affect change. But I think that beauty is one of those kind of like undercover spaces where we can affect a lot of change and you don't even realize it. So it's kind of been like a natural evolution to that's kind of led me to JVN hair. Yeah, of course. When I was growing up, I had a really close family member undergo chemotherapy, not to get to go in that direction. But I remember that was the first moment in my life where I really understood the power of hair, or in this case, the lack of hair and what it means to us as a source of strength and power. What does hair as a symbol mean to you? Because there's a larger dialogue around culture, equity, and value. So what kind of conversation are you looking to have when you talk about hair through the lens of JVN hair or any other conversations that you're having? This is a really good question. I think part of what is so incredible about hair and unifying about it is its relationship to self-expression. And everyone has a relationship to hair or in your story, which is also so true, a relationship to the lack of hair which brings up its own difficulties in the relationship to self-expression, even though it is still possible and still unifying because the way that you look is an expression of yourself and your hair is a, is a form of self-expression. And that's very unifying because we all have that relationship to it. For me growing up being assigned male at birth and being someone who like really wanted to mix glitter with gel and braid my hair and do my Barbie's hair and do anyone's hair who would sit down and got many a topsy tails stuck in many of people's hair because I didn't know what I was doing. I was always made to feel keenly off for wanting to do hair. There was clearly something like funny or like weird or different about me. I remember like my stepdad barging in on me when I would be getting ready for like a family dinner. He's like, enough of this primping, like get out of the bathroom. Like you're a boy, you're not meant to be doing this. Like 
or if it was that or like, you know, wanting to wear different types of outfits, like like dresses or whatever that my girl cousins would have. I was always made to feel weird for like wanting to express myself differently. And I don't want anyone to feel weird for the ways that they want to express themselves because this is all such a joy that we're even here and get to have this experience to live. And I want people to feel free to express themselves. Um, so whether that's like embracing your natural hair or being like, honey, I want to like straighten this thing out or kink this thing up. I just want you to like avoid the heat damage. So whatever, wherever we're at, like whether we're like embracing the texture, wanting to change the texture, I want people to have the hair that they want to have. And so that's kind of my ethos with JVN hair. And the reason why we say come as you are, because I want to celebrate everyone as they are. So come as you are, you're welcome to like play in this gorgeous hair care sandbox, no matter your age, race, gender, we're here for you. And you're allowed to feel glamorous. You're allowed to feel your best self. You're allowed to investigate your hair as a form of self-expression. You're allowed to do that. And you're also allowed to do that with products that are like, not to toot my own horn, but like, just so exceedingly good. Like just the apple of my eye, like they're just so good. And our formulators are so genius. And I'm just obsessed with our gorgeous Hemi Squalane, which is our gorgeous main ingredient that is like sourced from a literally fermented sugar cane. We literally ferment sugar cane and it makes our Hemi Squalane. So it's like from a sustainable source, but it is just the most effective, strengthening, shine inducing, slipifying, weightless, no silicone ass having. I call Hemi Squalane the Beyonce of all of our ingredients because it brings out the best in everyone and simultaneously works makes everyone work harder. Like, so Hemi Squalane is just like a, the Beyonce of hair product ingredients, of beauty <laughs> ingredients, really, because it's also in skincare. But I just love Hemi Squalane and I love JVN hair and I can't help it. I had a chance to try out your products and I do agree that they feel wonderful. Um, yeah, I mean, there is such a an important discussion around hair because it is part of a bigger dialogue, a bigger discussion. I also remember growing up, I lived in a very close-knit neighborhood. I My neighbors were my cousins and they were my older, my older cousins. And I remember growing up wanting to play with their Barbies and playing with the hair and everything, but also feeling very wrong about wanting to express that um and so it is it is interesting how something that people don't even give a second thought to is the world to other people and and so ingrained in their day-to-day lives and the conversations that we're having yeah gender honey it's like (laughs) a nightmare so you've got six seasons i believe of queer eye under your belt now what's the biggest thing that you've learned about yourself throughout the whirlwind of the last uh of the last six seasons i'm really good at moving um is one thing i've learned um it's not maybe the biggest thing but i have moved a lot um in the last like five years um or what are some of the biggest takeaways that you find yourself having today versus when you started out that journey it's interesting because of like, you know, duality and that like so many different things can exist at the same time. I think one of the things that's been the biggest takeaway for me and maybe not necessarily from the show, although we have got gotten to talk about it a little bit with like um, Angel or Skylar, myself, like we're like in a time where trans and gender non-conforming people can be like on a platform like Netflix and had two New York Times bestselling books and I like have this house that I'm like, you know, love and I'm so grateful for. And 
I have a husband and, you know, I'm able to get married and I have, you know, I have this like, like beautiful life that I'm really proud of. And I have other trans and um, gender nonconforming friends that are more visible than we've ever been and more open. But at the same time, like we have three states that have felonized gender affirming health care and have, you know, are investigating families for kids. If some of their classmates think that there's a kid in class that doesn't look enough like a boy or a girl, their families can literally call that family on like, can call Department of Child and Family Services on that family. We have the Don't Say Gay Bill in Florida where like teachers can't talk about like, you know, if they have kids, if they're married, if they're from a same sex household because they can get fired. And to me, it's like the Don't Say Trans Bill, these anti-trans bills that are like felonizing gender affirming healthcare, which can look like mental health care. It can look like puberty blockers, which are backed by every single major medical association like around like there's no debate over like their safety or efficacy or reversibility and in fact puberty blockers are prescribed for cisgender kids all the time if they're experiencing like precocious puberty or like if a little girl is like going through puberty early or if a boy is developing early they will take they will be prescribed hormone blockers until they are more appropriate age to go through puberty so they're often used and there's just so much misinformation, fear-mongering, and terror that is befalling trans people in front of everyone's face. And then at the same time, because there's more visibility, and I guess there's like more success and more visibility for trans and gender nonconforming people, like those things are going on at the same time. And that's really confusing. It's confusing to be thriving and experiencing success when I see so many other people that are talented, equally talented, more talented, talented in different ways, people that could be scientists, writers, musicians, fuck whatever, like people that could be whatever they want to be and they can't go to school. Like they can't feel safe at school. They can't like get healthcare. Like what type of people are we missing out of, missing out on because of these insane anti-trans laws? So it's just really confusing because like there's progress and at the same time, there's so much regression. Mm So to experience those extremes, I think to myself, I've been doing this work for five years and I started thinking last year, like, what's my mission? Like, what's my purpose? So I did like a mission statement. And my mission statement is to promote self-acceptance and love by modeling joy and compassion. So if what I'm doing isn't in line with that, then I kind of don't want to do it. At the beginning of my entertainment career, I really just wanted like stability. I wanted to make sure I had access to my HIV medication every month. I sort of was like, I want to be able to like pay for like my meds if I had to like out of pocket for a long time. And I want to be able to like not worry about rent or like maybe buy a house. That was kind of how it started. Then as I like realized how big my platform was and how many people my work and our show was touching. And then as I realized how much more, how many people were also being touched by my personal work of like my books, my writing, my comedy, my podcast, my show, I've wanted to be more authentic and share more of the whys, like more of like, that's why I shared about my HIV status. That's why I've shared about a lot of the hard stuff because I want to help people. I want to promote joy or I want to promote love and self-acceptance by modeling joy and curiosity. I think that part of joy and part of curiosity is authenticity. It's about sharing where you've been um, as long as you like feel safe to do so. But I think I, I didn't realize at the beginning I don't think I was aware of like how much suffering there was. And that was even before these like anti-trans bills. 
-hmm. I've just had the pleasure to like meet so many different people and see so many different people's experiences over these five years that I never would have like been introduced to if it wasn't for this platform. And as much progress as we've, as we've made, like our community is like going through so much and I just want other people to um, get in on this fight with them. That means like hiring gender non-conforming people. That means like being an advocate and a real ally for gender non-conforming and trans people. That looks like not letting people say transphobic stuff even when they think they're in private. It means really being an ally. It means showing up to vote this November. It means educating yourself on local politics. It means so much, but it's, it's a big issue. We're going through a lot right now. When we talk about progress and change, a lot of the uh, conversations really put the onus on the individual and really like it comes down to policy. I think that has uh, the most impact in terms of actually, you know, changing things and and moving the ship in the, into the directions that we needed to go into. But I mean, from your point of view, and I guess this is just building on what you've already said is, you know, what do we need to do to move that dial a little bit for us in, as individuals, um, especially in a time where we can, it's really easy to feel cynical or easy to feel that the actions of an individual don't have, you know, as much impact because, or it's harder to move the dial just because as an individual, whether that's for this conversation or when you're talking about the environment uh, or whatever it is, how can we talk to each other as individuals to help move progress with respect to this conversation? I think that social media is important and using your platform is important no matter what its size is because silence is not the answer. Even in our last election in 2020, it was like 155 billion people voted, like 80 million plus 75 million or whatever that was roughly, like 80 for Biden, 75 for Trump. That's like less than half of the US. So we are not engaging. And I think that social media, you can do it there, but you can also do it in your life. You can talk to those family members and friends that are not on social media, or maybe you don't interact with because you don't follow them. You can reach out. There's also organizations that will help to facilitate that like sister district or people's action network. Um, but you really can just do it like at the dinner table, you can do it with your family, you can do it with your friends. Um, and you can also do it on social media because someone might say like, well, you know, I don't have a big platform, but if you move three people of your 300 people or, you know, two of your 500, whatever, if you change a couple people's minds that moves mountains, like small votes do matter. And individual voices are huge because our collective voice is huge and your individual voice is huge. Um, And of course it's easy to be discouraged, but I think, you know, especially when it comes to like trans and gender non-conforming, you know, like to trans rights, I think a lot of times our allies don't realize that like this is their fight too, because the violence and the misogyny that accompanies the enforcement of the gender binary is pervasive in all of our lives. If you want to talk about guns and like our gun epidemic, it is steeped in patriarchy and in misogyny. And when you look at, um, you know, white nationalism, domestic white terrorism, like these like domestic white evangelical terrorists, these like replacement theory people, 
the toxic misogyny that is bred from that, it is all back to the gender binary. You literally can like draw a straight line from Francis Galton and eugenics who like literally invented eugenics and this replacement theory. It's a straight line. So these terrorists who get like radicalized off of this, it like that is where this conser these conservative values, these family values, you can draw a straight line from these family values back to eugenics. Literally, I'm a podcast is about to come out about it. Like, but go into history, go into the history. You can find it for yourself as well. But we have to be really clear here that like, why is it that so many American women get killed by their partners? It is the gender binary, honey. It is this toxic masculinity that mm -hmm. parades around as bravery that we celebrate in so many realms that is so dangerous. So women are getting killed by their partners. We have these men that are out here, most straight men out here blowing people away with guns, but it's trans people that we're targeting. That doesn't make sense. But even just going back to what I was saying is that like a lot of these issues are gender issues. We just don't necessarily realize it. And people think like, oh, this is like a trans thing. So like, this is just some kids in Arkansas or this is just some kids in Texas or this is just some kids in Florida. This isn't a me thing. But now look at what's happening with Roe v. Wade. Yeah. Like it's the same thing there. Like that is the same toxic masculinity that has Justice Alito misinterpreting American history to say that abortion isn't deeply rooted in American history, that reproductive autonomy is not rooted in American history. But guess what? Benjamin Franklin, honey, Lance, he had an abortion recipe in his fucking recipe book. Like the first, like seriously, like midwives used to provide abortion tonics all the time. It goes back into the 1600s. Well, like, a literal recipe. A literal recipe for okay. an abortion tonic. So this literally goes back, like women and people who get pregnant have been seeking out abortions and have been seeking out reproductive health care for hundreds of years. Like this isn't new, like the oppression of women, the oppression of trans people, the oppression of black and brown people, the oppression of disabled people and minority people. This is not new. We've been dealing with this for like hundreds of years. And what we need is for people who do not feel that they are affected by these issues to get off the sidelines and vote and to educate yourself on those issues. And if you have some particularly problematic uncle or like cousin who is like on Facebook saying really, you know, radicalized, conservative, anti-trans, anti-BLM propaganda, it's important for us to to safely have those conversations because yeah. we have to, like when it comes to policy and voting. So that's what I think, you know, we really have to start doing, especially headed into midterms. Because, you know, the media is like, the Democrats don't have a message, et cetera, et cetera. Like queer people, gay people, trans people, uh, we really need to make sure that we hold these majorities. <laughs> like for the next two years and beyond. So I think we have to get past, like we have just so many things up against us that we need to like come together and like figure out solutions. We got to like get in the solution. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of the dialogue on Queer Eye is so much, is centered so much around being proud and loving yourself, joy, acceptance, um, not only as queer people, but just as people as well and i think that that is also rooted in a lot of the things that we're talking about and you and i right now are talking during pride month so what does pride mean to you and what does it mean to be a proud person yeah i think that pride can mean as many things as to you as there are people who celebrate it 
So I don't think that there's necessarily like a right or a wrong way to celebrate it. I was actually just thinking about like the capitalization of pride and how people are like that funny meme of like, as a so-and-so person, I always felt this. So I'm announcing my partnership with so-and-so like that funny thing that's like going Twitter, like viral on Twitter right now. (laughs) And while there is something to be said for that, it's like if queer people weren't being seen and recognized and working with brands, like that's an important thing that we need to do to, cause I mean, there are so many people that like, I mean, literally everyone who I work with, I always like, I will have these conversations. Like if there's like something for like, like a product for like men and women, I will either like have them do away with it, tell them why I think that they should do away with it, make a plan, like, you know, to like kind of de-gender things. Like I have these kind of conversations with everyone who I work with. It's not like I separate those things away from myself when I go in to do a job. Not that pride should be commercialized, but queer people working with companies year round and being paid for our academic labor, for our mental labor, for our for our expertise, we deserve that. And if we weren't being paid for those things, we would be pissed as fuck. And I know that because we were pissed as fuck for the decades and decades and decades and decades that corporate people wouldn't work with us. So in one hand, yes, we need to be advocates. We need to like not have everything be commercialized, but on the other side, that sort of visibility and that sort of representation and having those conversations with companies is really important. So that's just something that I was thinking about that like, not that you asked, but like that's just like a big discourse around pride right now. And I think like, you know, make fun of it if you want to. And I think that's part of what makes queer people fun is that we love to make fun of stuff because like we're funny and we can't help it. But like, it's also important that like, that is queer people's work. And, but I do think that we need to be more clear with companies. And this is something I'm really big on that we like celebrate queer people 365 days a year, every month, not just June. So that's important. But for me personally, how I think of pride, that was just my soapbox moment, but how I think of pride is I really think about the people who have come before me, who have worked so hard to make pride possible. The ones who are no longer with us, the ones who are with us. Pride to me means protest. It literally was a protest against police brutality, which is why I have BLM in my little you know bio on my Instagram. It's like why I talk to my family about it. It's why I have a chapter in my book about systemic racism and mass incarceration and white supremacy and why we need to reckon with that more as white or why white people need to reckon with that more and people who espouse the absence of the existence of the ramifications of white supremacy and its ongoing cancerous effects that it has in the United States. Um, Pride for me is a time like all of the time is, but for me, Pride is a time of more of like reflection and giving thanks to the heroes who have both silently and unrecognized have carried this torch for us for literally hundreds of years for long before Pride was like recognized as such. Um, Cause for me, it feels really important for us to connect. For me, it feels really important for myself to connect to our history. Yeah. Cause that makes me feel so much more hopeful because we it makes me see how far we have come and yes we have so much work to do with that duality that i was mentioning before because we're regressing in in certain areas but we still have also made progress and that's worth celebrating but it's also worth continuing to have difficult conversations to make more progress for more people
you know, obviously you have a very strong point of view and, and a strong value set. And we talked about your mission as well. How long did it take for you to discover and find your voice and your values, the things that were important to you? How, you know, obviously it's a, it's a journey for a lot of people, but what was, or was there a specific moment where you kind of like had like an aha moment of who you wanted to be in the type of voice that you wanted to have, or has it been more of an evolution for you? It's definitely been an evolution. I think I'm like still on that evolution. I think that we're always evolving like our values a little bit in certain ways and like changing our minds or I think it's important at least to be open to changing our mind. I think the first thing that comes up for me is that like, my cat's meowing outside the door, sorry. Yeah, I can hear, um, I love it. <laughs> but like when Queer Eye first started and I first, you know, like doing more sort of endorsements and things in the first couple years of my career, I was so excited that people wanted to work with me that I was just like, yes, 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 I'm doing everything. After like a couple of years, I was like, and I was writing my first book over the top and I was writing a lot about my stepdad who passed away of cancer in 2012 and we were really close and I just loved him so much. And he had been sober for like 28 years when he passed away. And while I'm not fully sober, I have been in recovery for a long time. And I was just like, you know, I don't know if I want to do like alcohol stuff anymore. I don't know if that's exactly how I want to use my platform and nothing against like people who do, because like, I've literally done it. I've literally done stuff with like a couple alcohol brands in my first couple of years. And there's nothing against it. It's like, do your thing. I love that they support queer communities. I also think that like destigmatizing, like talking about like just drinking generally. Cause I think it, like shame loves secrets. So like, you know, I think I, I get why and why not and whatever in the conversation around all of those things. But for me, I was just like, like had made some money from those things and like I just was like I just don't want to do it anymore like nothing yeah. against it that's just like one thing that like I didn't want to do anymore and so I don't and they, you know there's also things where like you know my podcast for instance where like like if I had like an ad on there or if there was like like I've learned how to like vet guests better like like vet people who are buying ads on my show better um you know so we're always evolving we're always learning as we grow and I do think that that's something where like you can get such backlash for things sometimes when it's like, I do wish that we could like sometimes assume that someone's coming from a, a good place, not a bad place, mm. you know, but yeah. I have been really grateful for like the constructive, like feedback that I've gotten over the years that like, wasn't mean or like awful, but was just like, you know, constructive feedback that we've gotten um, and any of the things that I've done. And that's been really helpful and, and good but I, I do think that you like kind of continue to evolve like there's some north stars that you always have but you're still always evolving yeah yeah absolutely it's a work in progress for sure how do you access mm -hmm. your joy you know it's it's difficult uh, especially you know when you have a public platform and even just if you don't how do you access your joy on a daily basis how do you harness it um i let myself experience things that bring me joy which also kind of came from like trying new things or coming back to things that I thought I was done with. So like gymnastics is a huge way that I experience joy continually. My cats and like my animals are just like a huge way that I experience joy in small ways. My gardening is a is something that like I experience massive daily joy in that I honestly thought I would hate. And when my husband first got me into it, I was only doing it to be like a cool girl, like just to be like this like cool, like effortless you know girl who just like can like garden and like get their fingers dirty and just like washes their hands without dying on the inside when like the mud dries under her nails because like i don't even care about that because i'm just so naturey 
But then I actually ended up like loving it, even though I totally thought I was going to hate it. I just, you know what I'm saying? But like, I love it now. I like, couldn't even believe. But it's like, again, allowing myself to try something new. So it's like all in little ways. And I think also like, and I'm definitely guilty of this. Like we think of joy as this like existential, like joy, like just like the part in Sister Act when it's like joyful, joyful, like, but you know, not yeah. so Christian Eurocentric, but just like, like earth shattering joy. And I think this is why I'm so happy all the time. Like I survived meth addiction. Like I'm happy to take a deep breath and like not have a freaking crazy craving for like hardcore drugs. Like, mm. or just like, a, I am so grateful. Like take a deep breath and look outside and like, I just like, and then I made it out of my hometown, like no offense to Quincy, but like, I just, every day feels like a vacation for me. Like when people are like, what's it like to be famous? I'm like, honey, it's like walking around in a constant state of shock. I can't believe how like, like I just am so excited that I get to do all this stuff. So that's, but, but even before Queer Eye, like when I was like in my earlier parts of recovery, like I would have those feelings of like being in yoga and just be like, oh my God, I'm so glad I'm like here and like not doing something like self-destructive, like finding that like, like finding that joy, like the smaller joys, just like the being joy, just like it's being present really is what it is, like learning yeah. to be present. And that's like the biggest gift that you can give yourself. But when you compare it to like a drug or like, you know, like a love, like a new love or like a food or like something that you go really goo goo over, it's not the same type of obvious, like smack you in the face, like endorphin rush you know, it's like a, it's a more subtle joy. And that's really important to like bring those more subtle joys into your life. Absolutely. I know we talked about it um, already, but this is usually kind of how we like to kind of uh, round things off. What's your ultimate mission? What's the big picture for you? Um, what does it all come down to for you? It's about celebrating joy and compassion and curiosity. It's that. Joy, compassion, curiosity. That's my thing. Yeah, absolutely. Before we finish off, I wanted to do a, a rapid fire, just quick one answer, anecdotes, whatever kind of fun thing, uh, just to kind of finish off. How's that sound? Yes, give it to me. Okay. Uh, productivity hack. What's your best tip on managing your, your time? Spreadsheets. Google Doc spreadsheets. Yeah, okay. Biggest pet peeve? Um, false binaries. I love it. What's your best entrepreneurial trait? Your best trait as a leader, as an as an owner of a company, um, as a host of a podcast. What do you think is your best leadership trait? Passion. Love it. If you could ask Matilda any question, what would it be? How did you get so fucking cute? <laughs> I love it. Um, what's your pump up jam? What's like? Oh, actually, the... if I really could ask her a question, she could speak English. I'd be like, "Yes, you do you love me. I Every hope pet. you do. Or do you feel like really trapped here? But I can't let you go outside because it's dangerous out there. So even if you wanted to, like, I could build you like a cage out there." Every pet owner's owner's big question: Do you love me? Um, what's your hype up jam? Your pump up jam? Something that really gets you like it's about gym time right now. Right yeah. now, it's about gym time. Yeah your uh de-stress mantra what's like something that you tell yourself to really kind of give yourself perspective or just to kind of bring yourself down uh i accept my feelings about or i accept my feelings completely is a good always one mm -hmm. advice that you're glad you ignored um 
I don't know, pass. <laughs> um, what's an unconventional beauty hack? I do believe in dryer sheets to take away electric static. Ooh, okay. Um, what do you always have in your bag when you're traveling? Are you from Minnesota? Am I from Minnesota? Yeah. I No, I'm from Toronto. You say bag like someone from Minnesota. Oh, <laughs> that's hilarious. Because we say like bag in the Midwest, but like in Minnesota, like in the upper part, they say like bag. Bag, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so do you say like a boot? I do not say a boot about. <laughs> about your hair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really heard on your bag. Oh, I love it. I love an accent. I can't help it. Um, Always in my bag is sunscreen and travel air dry cream. What's your biggest guilty pleasure? God, it's hard because I have like impeccable taste in television. <laughs> oh, probably like designer bags. Okay. Okay. I like it. Um, and what's, what do you think is history's most iconic hairstyle? And you are as for you. I'm going through a hardcore French twist phase right now. Nice. I nice. want like a 60s French twist like all the time. Love it. Uh, last question. What piece of advice would you give to your younger self? I always love to say this. Don't do math. Yep, that's a, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, just no hard drugs. You can smoke weed and some shrooms is probably fine, but like, you know, in moderation. But, you know, yeah, weed's okay. You know, eat some weed maybe, but like not if you're under, you know, an age or if it's not legal, you know, wherever you live and all that. But like, yeah, but just like no meth, no hard drugs. Yes, because girl, you'll probably be really glamorous anyway if you do it, like, cause like see the evidence, but, um, you know, it's hard on the skin, it's hard on the organs, like your skin, your brain, ugh, you know, just don't, just like, <laughs> don't, just go to yoga or something. Sage advice, I love it. And on that note, thank you so much for, for the lovely chat. It's honestly such a, a pleasure chatting with you. I love your podcast and your new show. Um, and congrats on all your success with that and, and your brand, your hair care brand. Thanks, Lance. Jonathan is a one of a kind. It's no surprise with their magnetic personality and irresistible charm why so many have fallen in love with them. But make no mistake, their success is the result of years and years of hard work, laying down the foundation for the burgeoning media and beauty empire that we are witnessing today. Perhaps most importantly, however, Jonathan is using their brand to uplift communities and empower others into action. Whether that's towards self-actualization and expression or protecting trans and queer rights. In their words, Pride isn't just a month to celebrate the queer community. It's about championing queer excellence 365 days a year. It's about protest. It's about resistance and fighting for those within our communities whose rights are under threat every day. It's about honoring those who paved the way before us. As we navigate Pride Month and beyond, take a moment to ask yourself, what does pride mean to you? If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts so we can get the word out. To keep up to date, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, ask yourself, what's your mission?